0: And now for something completely machinima. machinima,
1: machinima, machinima. And now for something completely machinima podcast. I'm Tracy Harwood and I'm the lead co-producer for this episode uh, of the show Working with Ricky Grove. So here I'm joined with Ricky. Hello. Phil. Howdy. (laughs) And and (laughs) Damien, of course. Hello there. (laughs) Nice to see you guys again. Um, So in the first section of this month's podcast, we discussed some game experiences in the metaverse, having been inspired by Captain Tom's journey around the garden. No, hang on a minute. (laughs) Not the right day to be saying that, of course. Um, Captain Grimm's journey through classic World of Warcraft. Uh, In this section, we're going to reflect on some machinima films we've seen that loosely relate to the themes we feel are most uh, relevant. but. Before we dive into that, Phil, do you want to remind folks how they can connect with us, please?
2: Yes, you can visit our website at completelymachinima.com. There's a button at the top uh, labeled Talk. You click that, it shows you all the methods that you can use to get in touch with us, the first of which is email, talk at completelymachinima.com. You can send us a text message. You can send us a voice message. And if you use the voice message option, it's through a service called Reverb.Chat. You basically go there, you record your message, and then you email us a link to it. And we'll play it back and comment it on the air, um, um, you know, if it's an appropriate message. And finally, there's Discord, which is where you can uh, stock up on crickets if you're going fishing this weekend. Or you could uh, you could text and interact with us there. That would be great, too.
1: Super. Um, okay, so let's start with some WoW Machinima then. Um, Ricky, do you want to uh, kick us off with this one? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am.
3: Um, you know, i I, I got to be honest with you. I never liked World of Warcraft Machinima. And I, it's your encouragement to think about World of Warcraft Machinima because of it being a, a, a sort of open world game. It made me think about why I don't like it. And I realized it has to do with some of my acting and training. In that one of the things I came across while I was studying acting and the history of acting and film and all of that was this tradition that was very British of taking history and turning it into classes in England. For example, the upper class would speak a sort of London English and the lower classes would all speak Cockney. I mean, look at the like, like BBC productions of things that are said in the medieval times, or seeing things that were said in Rome, ancient Rome. You'd have these, these low class characters going, Well, what you got uh, mate? You know, and Monty Python did a wonderful job of parodying all of that. So I realized what the problem was whenever I watched the uh, World of Warcraft machinima, I was really seeing really badly done Monty Python. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Because you you get the you get the orc kind of character. <gasps> well, hello, mate. Mate, well, we're going to go out there and knock some heads. And I just hated that. I just hated that. <laughs> and so that's the reason why I didn't watch much of World of Warcraft. But Now that I know that that's a problem with my thinking, or at least that's the way I think, I decided to really work hard and push that all aside and just watch the films for what they are. And I picked some that I liked a lot. And part of my picks came from watching a beautiful uh, YouTube video called The Five Best World of Warcraft Machinimas I've Ever Seen by Nixium. N-I-X-X-I-O-M. He's a World of Warcraft creator himself. Excuse me. In this film, he reviews and remembers his five favorite World of Warcraft films. It's a very personal, but it's a very enjoyable list. And that's what's got me started again. And uh, one of the uh, films that I chose was Edge of Remorse. It was by Jason Choi who was a very important machinima filmmaker for a brief period of time. He was the guy that got me in, interested in machinima. He was on machinima.com and put in a uh, 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 request in one of the forum feeds for anybody who is in L.A. who wanted to work on a film. I responded, got together with him, and we did two film, three films together. I did The Sound for Edge of Remorse, which was one of my favorite uh, experiences ever because Jason is a very detail oriented person and he really wanted the sound to be an important and the music to be an important part of the film so uh that was so personally i was really interested in but rewatching it again i found it to be just a fascinating and interesting portrait a very romantic portrait a very i don't know how to describe it a kind of very plush and stylized portrait but the f- but but done very professionally. The film was a sh- little mini masterpiece, and I think in a way, Jason was one of those machinima directors who who used machinima to get uh, to become a professional um, videographer or game creator, and that's what he does now. Um, Edge of Remorse was, le- was released in two thousand and six. Um. It was created for X-Fire Summer Movie Contest, and he shot and mastered it in, in 720p high-definition de- uh, using real-time footage of World of Warcraft. Now, the interesting thing I'd forgotten about World of Warcraft is that you, don't, you shoot it very differently. You shoot the World of Warcraft uh, landscape and places, and camera moves, separately from the characters, the character animation and the character interaction is all done in green screen in a special character. I can't remember the name of the the app that they use. It's a World of Warcraft model viewer, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. against against a green screen, and then you composite those in After Effects. So it's a very different workflow than most other machinima because you have to you're using two separate places to film. To do the film, so I was just blown away again by how effectively he was able to composite everything and make such a successful and interesting and empathetic film with characters who are very broad and and very sort of blocky, you know. Because in two thousand six, the rendering of uh, World of Warcraft is a little different than today. Um, it won the two thousand and six Machinima Film Festival for Best Direction in Visual Design. It um, won the X-Fire World of Warcraft Summer Movie Contest for Best Overall Film and placed first place in the Drama Action category. And I think it was his calling card to move on to uh, professional work, which he does now. He works in L.A. as a technical director for game engine production at Frame Machine, and he does no more machinima at all. If you go to his portfolio on, on Vimeo, you'll see him doing machinima-like stuff, but it's not machinima. And I thought that it reminded me that that's one of the things that I think happened to machinima is the sort of brain drain, talent drain, because hardly anybody who moved on from machinima into the professional world came back to machinima to do anything, which I, I found very strange because... Why wouldn't you, if you have this great community that supports you and you can make films very fast, why wouldn't you want to come back and continue to make some other films? But that never happened. Paul Marino moved out and went on to a professional world. Jason Choi moved on to a professional world. Now, hey, I don't blame them. Uh, they do what they want to do. If they're Being working in the game world is very involving. I mean, sometimes it's 18-hour days, 16-hour days, so I understand that, but I just wanted to make that observation that they they never come back once they leave. So anyway, I love this film and I was wondering whether you guys got a chance to watch
1: it again. Absolutely. I mean I, I hadn't seen that for years until you you you, till you put that on the slate. And you, and I, I was kind of um <laughs> I was kind of intrigued by some of your first comments uh, on where you were going there about um accents and what have you, because there's no voice acting in this one at all. So I was kind of <laughs> intrigued to hear you talk about that. But you know what comes over for me is the um, is the outstanding quality of the soundscape design. And I know we've talked about that um, about you know in relation to several machinimas that we've reviewed over the past six months. It's down to the soundscape. And I think this is another example of the soundscape driving it. It's beautiful quality. Um, the music is spot on with it. And it drives that story. For me, it did anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was my observation
0: on it. For me, I, I remember...
1: agree. Oh. Go ahead, Damien. Be sure. right.
0: Thank you. Um, for me, I remember when it was... I did watch it again uh, today, just to refresh my memory. I was remembering what a great film it was. And it's still... Even though the visuals are dated now, because obviously graphics technologies have evolved, it still holds up really well. And one of the things that I, I remembered when I watched it originally was... Back when it was released, there was this thing in the community where people were saying the only emotion you're going to get from any machine of film is laughter in the humour videos like Red versus Blue and, and so on. But this is a very powerful story told with absolutely no dialogue but you don't need it to, to follow exactly what's happening and to feel the emotions of what's happened to these three characters and, and how they've changed and grown apart and what happened in, in the film, which if you haven't seen it i don't want to give away any spoilers but um it gets at, it really gets you emotionally and um back then people said that's not possible it's just just humor and it's the same with video games Is people were saying you'll never get any emotional reaction from any video game you play it's just you just play it and have fun but it's not going to tell a story that makes you feel happy or sad or um Sympathetic to any of the characters because it's just not possible. Well, I think Jason proved very well with this film that it is very possible just to have to do it the right way.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Phil? Phil? Yeah, sorry, I had a little bit of delay there. Um, <clears throat> all right, so a number of things. Um, yeah, it's wonderful to. To experience this film again, uh, I remember being, uh, for sorry for the pun, but I remember being wowed by it when it came out. Uh, yeah, Jason was 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 quite a force to be reckoned with, and uh, Machinima misses misses someone of his uh, his skill. Uh, yeah, the the soundscape absolutely, Tracy. You're right. I think a great illustration of that is to do a side-by-side of this film, which was, you, you know, using the technology that was available for that. And the World of Warcraft film that Hugh Hancock did several years later, and he did all kinds of hacking and they they had mo-capped fight animations in this thing. I mean, in terms of what they could achieve with what the characters did. There's like no comparison. Hughes' film just blows away most World of Warcraft films in terms of you've never seen characters move like that in World of Warcraft, you know? And yet it doesn't have the same wow factor or punch as the significantly older Edge of Remorse. And the sound is a big part of that. I did. I had the privilege to do sound for one of Hugh's big movies, and I wish that he would have kept me engaged. Because, yeah, the sound's really lacking, and it and it 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 makes such a big difference. Uh, Ricky, you did the sound on that, is that right? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, this was, was some of your best work, and and you know the re- one of the reasons Jason was was so impressive when he when he was in the machinima community. I he and I kind of butted heads with each other because we had. That was when the whole machinima versus animation debate was going on. And he just ended up on the other side of that argument about that word, a stupid, stupid argument. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of, you know, and he was—he's he's a confident person. His personality is very strong. He's very confident in himself. And he should be. He's extremely yeah. talented. But he had already shown the machinima world that he could blow our minds. And it was with his previous film, Only the Strong Survive, which Ricky was... One of the main actors in that, and also I believe was involved in the sound on that.
3: Yeah, I and that film the
2: in in the Tom Jantel interview uh, from last month, Tom talks about the Max Payne game being the one that really blew his mind, and I have to think that he saw that movie as part of that. Wow, look what this game can do! Look how cinematic it can be. Yeah. So Jason had already shown he could do that, but here is one where like Ricky said, this really wasn't a game known for cinematic. Wow. It just really wasn't. It was a game that a lot of people loved. It was a huge fan base. There were some very good films that were made, but that wasn't the hallmark of most. Wow. Machinima. Um, and yeah, Jason just, just took it to a whole other level.
1: Okay.
2: Still with me? I'm
1: done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Well, uh, You've
3: got another film as well, haven't you? Uh-huh, you yeah. Just- I wanted to make a quick mention that uh, the video, The uh, Five Best World of Warcraft Machinima by Nixium is well worth watching because his uh, commentary is very uh, funny and also very apt. And he mentions a filmmaker in there that I'd forgotten about, uh, Martin Falch. He was one of the first uh, uh, f- uh, filmmakers. He's from Denmark and... um he'd created uh, feature-length films, a trilogy called the Tales of the Past trilogy, and another uh, shorter uh, feature-length movie called Divided Soul. Uh, all You can be, find all of these things at warcraftmovies.com, which is a great resource for old and uh, new world of Warcraft films. I just wanted to mention him because Faltz was one of the first people to do full-length films. Uh, my second film, and I got it from... Uh, Nixium's um list and it was a movie that I saw when it came out but I didn't pay much attention because that stupid accent thing but it's illegal Danish super snacks number one and number two now number number one number, number one had no dialogue number two had dialogue and really number one was a kind of tryout for uh like a proto version of what they wanted to do. And two is really the best one. And they promised to do a three, but they never came, came out with it. Um, Mind flame was the uh, company that did that group of uh, machinima filmmakers. And here's what Nixium had to say about uh, uh, illegal Danish super snacks. He said, back in the day, whenever short machinima movies would pop up, when they'd pop up, most of them kind of sucked but not illegal Danish. It was funny. It was memorable. It was quotable. What was it about? I don't know. The movie is crazy. (laughs) And that's exactly the reason I love it. It's absolutely crazy. It has to do with a Danish being the center of, you know, a Danish, a pastry, a magical Danish being something that people want to get to, to gain power in this wacky World of Warcraft world. And it's a kind of satire, but it it is primarily this gender bending farce like crazy thing. That I don't know how they did it, but it was just hilarious. And watching it again, I—it's I, long, it's fairly long, it's almost an hour. But oh my God, is it fun! It—I love the idea that that satire uh, is such an important thing in this. And I and I began to reflect that I think satire is an important mode for machinima, all through machinima. For example, Phil, your wonderful father, Frag's Best was one of the. Most interesting satires on an established sitcom mode, and I think people picked picked up on that, uh, partially from your your uh, filmmaking and partially from others, and I think that mode in machinima is still an important uh, mode for today, and it's a way for other gamers to make other gamers laugh and to comment on the game. Um, the idea that somehow in the game you 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 got to get this magical talisman you know in order to become powerful, well, they were spoofing and all of that by turning the talisman into a Danish <laughs> <laughs> Gmod does this really well uh, as well in the world of half life remember that chiropractor film that Phil shared with us last <laughs> last month oh, that's yes. a that 's a complete satire. <laughs> So I think one of the things that I loved about Illegal Danish, despite the fact that it was just madness, um, a mad fun romp, was the fact that it's such a great satire. What did you guys think?
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, I think there's a few things I think about this particular one. I think for me, what it illustrated so well was a range of different sets in this game environment. So going back to that metaverse theme, all those different sets. Uh, and the way in which they were kind of connected, but the thing that stuck stuck in my mind was these some of these cracking lines that they came out with. Oh yeah, um, uh, that that one with with that really squeaky voice. There's something about your voice. Um, the, the character says it's a bit like the last thread on a very thin rope. <laughs> what a line! <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> uh, and it, and I think that, that those lines uh, they just sort of draw on the fantasy role play of that game, and and ex- and you you're kind of really drawn into the that sort of narrative in you know embedded story world through the way that they pull those lines together. But you know what it felt like? I mean, maybe maybe this is an is an age thing, but it felt inspired um, by uh, Adventures of Scooby Doo for me. Hmm. Um, uh, so I don't know if it was or, or how that came to be, but it felt very Scooby-Doo-ish. And, uh, you know, yes, there was a lot more adult content, but that that was the kind of the adventures of, through through those little sub-narratives that, that all kind of knit together to to create it. But, but the other thing that stands out for me in this one is that it also highlights the, the community nature in the creation. We've talked about that before in this episode, where... You know the producers are the, are the primary actors, but they're also bringing in a whole guild of folks through the what, what is it the Manoroth server um, that are all embroiled in that sort of those those guild scenes um, discussing the the you know the Danish and its magical right. properties and yeah. Um, which is which is you know an, yet yeah, another example of um, you know how communities involved in these uh, you know these uh, these metaverse type type games. So it's. I suppose really the other side of it is that it's not so much about the production process, but the fact that when it was released on YouTube later on, what you then got, this is in 2011 when it was kind of re-released into YouTube, is that you then got a whole community of folks reflecting back on the game that they had played it back in the day. Mm. Oh God, I remember that. That was such great fun, which is, you know, your Nixian Nixon's um reflections as well the fact that he he was just harking back to the good old days of when folks got together so you know i guess i'm not surprised really that um i suppose you know i suppose really when the, when Blizzard went back to these kind of um you know classic wow as a way of of reactivating community it was really quite a smart move to do that and you know these machinima would have been a way of actually helping to keep that community knitted together all of you know all of those years later notwithstanding the issues that captain grim sort of identified later on but i think that comes through very clearly in this particular um example of of machinima for me good point even 15 hmm. years even after it was originally released it's still a great wow <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah and mind flame that that the group that was behind that film, they were a team, they were a sizable team actually. Um, and, uh, very diverse group of people. There was one, one girl that was on that team. Her first name was Jenna. I can't remember her last name. And I, and we ended up in an interview somehow. And I can't remember if I interviewed her for my old podcast or if she interviewed me for hers. Uh, but we ended up, you know, <clears throat> discussing and kind of mutually admiring each other's work and stuff. But, uh, and she, she told me a bit about, uh, that team and stuff. And I mean, to think that that happened for that to happen now would be exceptional to have a tight knit team that's spread out like that unified simply by enjoying, like, like you said, Tracy, it's the game is part of it. Yeah. But it's really those people and those interactions Mm -hmm. with the game. And this, this film emerged at a time when there was this whole groundswell of, uh, that Warcraft movies site, I think it's the same website that was active back then. Just hundreds and hundreds of Warcraft movies, and most of them were all based on humor or stories uh, that emerged within that community that didn't exist before. But like you said, in this case, they were, they were, you know, kind of spoofing uh, an element of the game, you know, the talisman. Right. Um, and, and, but there was, there was this whole crop of those and it was amazing. And so that movement was, was interesting to see. And as someone who never played Warcraft kind of intimidating, you know, that here we are excited about, you know, our handful of little films at machinima.com and there's warcraft com. just hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of productions. yes, Mind you, you know not not many of them Oscar worthy but it didn't matter you know it was it did it was matter. just an exciting and very alive uh time and and yeah that that is i think that is the attraction to to that game and to the movies from that era is it was a pretty special time for a lot of people involved with that um and it was because of the people that they were involved with that uh, that's what they are enjoy recollecting you know
0: I've, Damien? Yeah. Um I've seen a lot of um videos in a similar kind of style for this from different games and I may watching this has made me think maybe I should choose one of those for my selection next month. But um it's one of those like, they're poking fun at the game and it's one of those ideas that it could fall apart really easily or it could work really well. And in this case it worked really well. And <laughs> you've got all these different things happening it's complete nonsense, but it's entertaining to watch because they did it so well. And then you've got all these... There's kind of this sort of loose story about the Danish pastry, but then you've got these other random elements, like the thing with the, the dancing creatures for no apparent reason other than they're just there. <laughs> 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 and I think it kind of goes with the whole collaboration thing is obviously someone on the team said, let's have some dancing monsters because it'd be really funny. And so they just they shot that however they, they did it. And I'm not familiar with how to make uh, Warcraft Machinima. So whatever the process was, they just decided to do it and they did it and they put it in the film. And it made me laugh. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else I can say that you guys haven't already covered on because I, I like the parody of the sort, of the satire element and I like the idea that a group of players, I guess they played the game together and decided, well, let's make some films together while we're in it because it's a game we really love. And
1: yeah,
0: you can yeah. tell. Machinima for fun. Yeah, Pretty yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, it ends up making it emerge from this kind of place of purity, you know, of just yeah. like Ricky yeah. commented on a couple episodes ago about you know what what's attractive about machinima is when someone's not doing it for some other end, but just out of out of that pure enjoyment. It's it's
0: hmm.
2: yeah, it's special.
0: Yeah, David. Right. Um, so I've chosen two films this week as well. Uh, not from World of Warcraft. Uh, I went with Elite Dangerous because I've been talking about this game uh, previously in the uh, this month's podcast. Um, so the first choice was Lusitania's Journey. And it's kind of, it's a comedy piece. And it's about the player. Um, basically, he's having an affair with, princess duval who's one of the major npc characters in in the game world and um he steals her ship because uh the um guy that she's actually meant to be involved with is another powerful npc character um basically he catches them and he wants to he's basically running out the wind climbing out the window as he's coming in the front door and he flies (laughs) off with this ship and um it's mostly just told through voiceovers and you've got some, you got visuals of it and you, you see the guy flying the ship and, and so on, but then you've kind of got the portraits, which are the in-game portraits of the characters, because they don't appear as um, characters you can interact with. They're just, you just see these artwork um, paintings that the developers have done uh, and you can see um, what their influences and how they're affecting the game world. You never actually go meet them or anything like that. So this is the only artwork that exists of the princess uh, and so on. Um, So this works really well because you don't need to see her um, in the video. You just need to hear the voice. And I I really enjoyed this whole sort of comedy element to it. And um, the way the game is structured is you take your, you create your character and then you create, tell your own story. There's no, you don't just, um, Get, follow one quest and go to the next one, to the next one. You play it the way you want, and you, it encourages you to tell your own story. And so, Rurakan um, has decided his story is his character is secretly having an affair with the princess. And <laughs> why not? So, what do you guys think of it?
1: Yeah. I, I'm glad you gave me that context because I, I was thinking, what what is this about, really? Okay. Very, very minimalist. Um, and you kind of get to know a bit about a little bit about the characters, but not really that that much. But so uh, yeah, I did get I did get the kind of the comedy of this um, strange affair kind of thing going on in the in the background. Yeah, yeah. I'm pleased you said about the you know the the way the characters are revealed because I wouldn't you know I'd not haven't played that game I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked up on that. What did you guys think?
2: yeah I've never played the game either, and i i didn't I, I didn't recognize you know where that artwork came from for all I knew it was pulled from somewhere else, but for me it didn't matter at all. I, I ended up getting it, you know the scenario very very funny the way that uh i I think the the point that really made me laugh out loud was when you have the princess's picture up there and then our protagonist. And then the husband comes home, and you can, the the one picture kind of boom, and knocks him off. This, I just thought that's just so simple and silly, and just an easy post production thing, but so effective, you know. So, yeah, uh, uh, <clears throat> I, I just I, I found it found it quite funny, and and it is. It's one of the simplest, probably this one of the simplest things to make uh, that you could make, and yet, you know, the joke comes across. Um, the character type, this rogue, you know, almost a naughty Han Solo just going around the universe doing whatever. It, it just, it, I don't know what it reminded me of specifically, but I got the type and, and uh yeah, I found it, found it funny.
3: Ricky. Um, I didn't like the film at all. I thought the whole thing was silly and hard to understand. It was one of those machinima that, you had to play the game to understand the context of it, which, you know, I understand gamers in a particular game world, they make films for each other. It just didn't work for me. The story seemed to be slight and contrived and compared to the next film that, um, Damien recommends. It just, it just didn't work for me. I thought in a way, the style was a kind of workaround for the fact that they couldn't do any real 3d camera moves. Um, so it just seemed to be uninspired to me and and didn't have a lot of imagination.
1: Hmm. Almost a let's play, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
0: That's fair enough. Um, so one of the reasons I chose that film is it is so different from the next film that I'm going to talk about uh, because I felt like we're going to be talking about Metaverse and all these online games. I thought it's important to show that you you, you can tell very different stories in one or open world environment so the next film is called void and it deals with a character who's the last survivor of some kind of alien encounter and you don't really get to see what happened you get some shots of um this sort of alien environment and in the game world the aliens are called the thargoids and there's this whole mystery about who they are and what what's going on and it's kind of like an ongoing thing where you can go in and sort of investigate but The players actually have to figure it out themselves and they're all working together. Uh, But obviously this particular mission went really badly and this guy's lost his entire crew uh, and he's kind of dealing with the trauma of that experience. And I don't want to talk too much about the story because I I always worry about spoilers for people who haven't had a chance to see it yet. Um, But it's just so dark and um, intense and yet it's the same world that this silly story that um, we were just talking about took place in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the good things about um, Metaverse and Roses. They're huge. And so you have this room to tell a scary story or a serious story or a a, a comedy. And um, so that's that's why I chose void. And actually void is the one I chose picked first and found first. this is so good, but I need to find something to contrast it with. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do you guys think of void?
2: Oh, it is so good. It's one of the, one of my favorite machinima films from any source that I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know, again, I've never played the game. So that backstory bit that you gave to it, I had no knowledge of that. Maybe it was in the description. I didn't even read the description. I usually don't before watching. Again, I got it right away. I mean, even if it's just a study in the madness that can come from isolation, it was Wonderful. What it reminded me of was uh, there's a there's a live action movie that came out probably ten years ago. I can't remember the name of the lead actor, but basically the whole thing was this guy who was on the moon.
3: Oh, and yeah. And he was there by is, himself. It's just called Moon.
2: Yes. Yeah. And wonderful soundtrack and and just and again, just a study of that. You know something that's known i think which is that isolation really screws with you you know
0: mm-hmm. and i felt
2: like this was in that same vein and just ex-, ex exploring that and and what the mind does in that so even not knowing that there had been some specific trauma to me it even forgetting that that even happened and just the trauma of being isolated in the black void of space that's enough to drive anybody mad. And it was just wonderfully done. I really liked it. Uh, I'm very curious to hear what, what Ricky thinks. I suspect it's, it's kind of up his alley. Cause it's got a bit of a horror vibe to it, even though there's no, there's no yeah. blood yeah. spatter at all, you know? Yeah.
3: Um, I wanted to say that there's America in the early years started to write horror stories, but they weren't called horror stories. They were called weird tales. Poe wrote something called The Weird Tale. And then that faded in the early 20th century when the term horror was uh, created by publishers in order to sell a particular genre, a particular product. But in the last 10, 15 years, The Weird Tale has come back because The Weird Tale has a very unusual elements to it. One of the things that it does is it makes you uncomfortable when you're watching it. It makes you feel queasy like somehow something is going to happen and it's not going to be good and you you don't know what it is and you're sort of waiting for it to happen um the uh uh jeff vandermeer wrote a, a series of books called the um southern reach trilogy annihilation uh, was the first one they made a film of it uh, I very, saw that. a very poor film uh, compared yeah. to the novels but anyway he he single-handedly reestablished the weird tail vibe. And so now that's just spread out everywhere. This film could be the result of Jeff Vandermeer's um, impact on culture. But what Void does is it puts you in this situation where if you look at it objectively, nothing much happens except for a couple flash frames where there are these odd, strange creatures that are right close up. So they're, they're very arresting. But the rest of it is just this character looking around, and you're hearing his inner voice thinking, and then shots of the void of space where you see the uh, this small ship with this huge universe in it. So ostensibly, the visuals, as well as they are, and the editing as they are, are no great shakes. But the context of the story, the monologue, and the excellence of the acting makes the thing so creepy. It's very much like Lovecraft's story in space. Yes. And it implies far more than what it actually shows. Yes. So, the, so the viewer begins to imagine all of these things in your head. And the more you imagine, the scarier the film gets. So I'm really, I was really moved by this film. I watched it a couple of times. I thought it was just a masterful example of what machinima can do. It was pure machinima. Because if you look at it, I know that they didn't uh, step-by-step animate that guy's, the character's animations. They just took the shot and the character did the root animations that they do, right? Isn't isn't that right, Damien? Yeah. 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 So they managed to shoot footage and create animations for that character that were perfectly matched by accident with the voiceover. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's what machinima you can do with machinima, where you 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 create things almost by accident, by improvising. And some of those movements, well like he'd say something, something that was really bothering him, and then he'd turn and look away. And you got this feeling like he was trying to look away from his thoughts, like he was trying to get away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. man, what a great choice. Really, really exciting. Thanks for picking this film.
1: Yes. I don't oh. think I can add to that at all. I just, I, again, I thought it was beautifully acted, the soundscape design. I thought it was just very well synced. I thought it was by design. I didn't get the feeling it was improv, but you know, I'm sure you're right on that. It was it was a real psychological drama for me not I'm, I'm not sure I would have called it horror but by the time I'd finished watching it it was really creepy mm, yeah it it's kind was, of
0: horror in the same way that alien is horror it's kind of that horror science fiction crossover yeah, it like, makes it kind it of It really creeped me creepy. out for
3: there's, sure there's almost a sense of, what, there's a sense of dread you get
1: yes that that that's the the word.
3: gets that gets more and more powerful as the story goes on
1: yeah, yeah. And, do you know, it, it, I, not in the same way at all, but do you remember the film called Ignis Solus? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you remember that film? Mm-hmm. Well, it was vaguely reminiscent of that machinima for me because that, that was all about uh, how it feels to be alone in the game, burn alone. Mm. And, and this had that kind of same sense of what is it like to be alone in this game? Not not in the, not in terms of the aesthetic or or what was going on, but just that that notion of being on your own in the in the game. I thought it was playing on that, and it yeah. just brought that other I can see that, that other one to to mind. Um, yeah, for me that driven- does
2: that does put it in in the horror category again. Not the modern Hollywood understanding of horror, you know, the Saw movies or nonsense like that. I mean, yeah, true. Get inside your head. Uh, Oh, did we lose Tracy? Oh, there she is. Yeah, I lost the sound. The example that I can think of is, I remember the first time that I saw uh, Stanley Kubrick's 2001. And there's a scene where, I hope I'm remembering this right. I'm going to hear it from a lot of people if I'm telling this wrong. But (laughs) isn't there, there's some scene where one of the astronauts is outside the spacecraft and ends up getting jettisoned still in his space suit, but gets jettisoned out. And I think that he ends up dying pretty quickly, so it's not really that he's experiencing this horror, but that image of this astronaut suit just floating off into the blackness just played with my imagination so much. I had literal nightmares about huh. that. The mm. thought of that. You know, not even thinking through the physics of, well, you'll run out of air after such and such time, so we No, it was, Mm -hmm. they're going to be drifting forever in nothingness. And, uh, that's horrifying, you know, in in a way that no Freddy Krueger is ever going to do. Yep. So yeah, I, I, I loved it. I don't like experiencing that emotion. Uh, Mm -hmm. but I really admire that this, yeah, this simple machinima film, it, it, it tugged at that same, Mm -hmm. same part of me. Yeah. Very effective.
1: Great choice, great yes, choice, I'm Damien.
2: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
1: Um, brilliant, um, Phil. What have you got for us? Uh,
2: well, I thought I would give us kind of a whirlwind tour through some of what's uh, some of the stuff that's that's done in Minecraft. Now, the reason for choosing Minecraft is because obviously it is uh, it has metaverse like characteristics, at least when it's played in certain ways. Um, but it's not exactly a hotbed of of good machinima picks um, <laughs> there are people doing machinima in it, but it's not really you know i don't i don't wanna i'm not gonna call it cockney or anything but <laughs> yeah not 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 really to the standard that most other Machinima engines can do. However, there is a huge amount and variety of styles of let's play that is done in that engine and like whole genres of let's play that really Minecraft has either led the way on or still leads the way on. So I'm just going to kind of give you a brief mention of some of those and then we'll, we'll put a list of them in the show notes so people could explore if they're interested. The first Minecrafter that I ever uh, encountered uh, on YouTube was a guy that goes by the name of Stampy Longhead. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah, he's from Britain somewhere. Um, he's got about 10 million followers on YouTube. He's been oh, doing my Minecraft videos since Minecraft came out, really. Mostly on the Xbox, and I think now he does some on the PC. All very kid-friendly stuff. Like, I mean, even his voice, it's like he's on the Captain Kangaroo show or something, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> he knows his audience, his kids, and he couldn't be more delighted about it. And he's probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess he may have recently turned 30 years old. I mean, he's a young man, but he's just found his niche and just loves what he's doing. So he builds these big worlds and he'll, a lot of them are he'll be in that world and he'll have a ton of people in there with him that maybe are, part of the YouTube audience or just friends of his that he's made through this and they'll just improv their way through little adventures. I kind of, I think that his writing style is probably very similar with different outcome, but similar to what I've heard is the style for Curb Your Enthusiasm Hmm. with Larry David and those actors where basically when they approach a scene, they've got kind of an outline of, okay, we need to get from here to here but there's no dialogue written. There's no script. They improv it. You can only do that with really skilled people. Uh, and obviously this isn't executed with that kind of skill or frankly with that kind of humor, but that's what it is, is you get the feeling that, okay, eventually we got to get to here. You're going to make me this cake in Minecraft. But how they get there, they just they just kind of meander along and just have fun. And he's yeah, he's attracted quite an audience with that. So I'll include a link to the, his YouTube channel video, which kind of gives a nice overview, a bunch of clips from, from different videos that he's done. Um, log.zip is another longtime time uh, YouTube Minecrafter. His focus is reviewing other people's uh, creative, uh, content creations within Minecraft, and also he is hired a set of coders for Minecraft who he'll come up with some idea about, I want to do this crazy thing in Minecraft and they'll code it for him. And then he makes the video about it and he pays him to do it. He's an even younger guy. I I, I would guess he's probably 26 years old um, and has been doing it for, since he was a teenager, since he was still in high school. Um, very entertaining guy, huge following for something million followers. And, and that's, that's what he does. He's made this whole following from that another one is a guy named dream who is a world record holding speedrunner of minecraft For those of you mm. who don't know minecraft while it is open world there are certain advancements and achievements that the developers built into the game the biggest the culmination of which is to slay the dragon you have to do all these other things beforehand before you can get there and do that uh, and that's what a speed run in Minecraft is, is getting from zero, start a brand new, random, procedurally generated world, and find and slay the dragon in this other alternate universe within Minecraft. It's crazy. And he, I want to say that he's done it in 15 minutes. Uh, oh, I played wow. Minecraft for about a year before I <laughs> felt ready to take on the Ender Dragon. So, yeah. Well, his thing now is he's extremely skilled, obviously, in moving through Minecraft very quickly. So he gets four or five of his friends to join a server with him. They start up a new world. And he tries to complete the game while they all try to kill him. (laughs) Most of the time, he wins with five people who are no slouches themselves are trying to... Chase him down and, and kill him and overpower him. <laughs> it is the most entertaining thing I've ever seen in Minecraft. His the videos Erdini. they just about they just about break the internet when he releases them. He typically gets about thirty or forty million views. Oh my god! Within a few days, yeah, probably the most the the, the most popular Minecrafter on YouTube. Very very entertaining. Uh, you hear their voices the whole time, I and mean, it's all of them talking and interacting. And then after he releases the wow. main video. He'll release like an uncut version and some behind the scenes stuff. And it's just so entertaining to hear these, these guys who clearly know each other very well. And uh, it's, it's a real riot. Uh, Gamerboy80 is another uh, Minecrafter. He specializes in multiplayer. There's a competitive server called Hypixel hosted in the U.S. It's the largest Minecraft server in the world, hosts a hundred thousand simultaneous players at any given moment, that's that's the average how many people are in there playing at any time of day. And he's been on the leaderboard of uh, some of the competitive games there, one of which is a capture the flag type game called Bed Wars. And so he he will record these games of just himself just playing that often with the odds deliberately stacked against him because being at his skill level is very hard for him to find any kind of challenge. Uh, and he narrates the whole time as he plays, and he's quite quite funny. He's probably 20-something years old. All these guys are very, very young. Uh, the final one I'll mention is a guy named Il Mango. He's not the only one who does this, but he's the most impressive. He focuses his videos on... Minecraft has a built-in what are called command blocks, which basically are... It's a block you could place in the game, and you put some code in there, that will execute based on certain conditions. And you can chain them together and basically run a program within Minecraft that will manipulate the blocks or manipulate the environment uh, through automation and pistons moving this, that, and the other. And there's a whole power system they call Redstone that you chain it all together with. Very impressive. And so he'll build these unbelievably huge and complex contraptions using simply that system. And then he shows them off and and goes through and explains everything about how it works. It's remarkable. The most recent one that I saw him do is a 3D printer in Minecraft (laughs) that basically he can put in a pixel art image and this thing will build it out of the various colors of wool that you could have in Minecraft. It's, It's astounding. And he's been doing that for years. Just, just amazing. So, <clears throat> again, narrative machinima, arguably Dream's stuff uh, is has a narrative to it. It's a chase, you know. It's a, a great race type of thing. Cannonball run of, of sorts, if you will. But other than that, narrative machinima is not really very strong. <clears throat> and there's good reason for that. And one is that there are certain mods that would be required to make that feasible and modding for minecraft while the modding community is huge and thriving uh, the challenge is the game is updated so often and in significant ways that mods break all the time you know a mod that worked three versions ago doesn't work now so there are people at different phases of minecraft's history who have they made one that's very similar to the old key grip tool that was made for quake that made so much machinima possible where you uh. could recam and position cameras and script their movements. And Hugh Hancock of strange company, they wrote a, a tool where you could move a camera along a spline in quake two as well. Um, <clears throat> those tools have been attempted, but you know, it's all by volunteers and you know, you, you invest your time in that. And then the next update to the game comes out and it breaks it. So the utility of those is, is, can be quickly made obsolete, and it's just not reasonable to expect, you know, for fun developers to keep up with the pace that that Minecraft is is making significant updates to itself. Um, There are an average one major update per year on average.
3: Wow. I was going to ask you that the tools to make machinima in Minecraft have to be pretty simple because so many kids make machinima. But also, there's so much of it being put on the the net every day. What what are some of the tools? Are they just mods for Minecraft, or are they built into the game?
2: I'm sorry that that last sentence broke up on me there. Are Your they uh,
3: are they mods? Do you have to use mods to make Minecraft, or are the Machinima tools built into the game?
2: Well, <clears throat> most of the there are mods that people use uh, to modify the way certain aspects of the game go. I don't know of a whole lot of mods that are helpful specifically for uh, for machinima purposes. A lot of that ends up just being multiplayers getting together. One person is the camera, turn off the HUD, and film. Hmm. Um, that's that's usually what it comes down to. So there is, there is one time-lapse tool that I know of, but it does require multiplayer. It's it's Damien's setup that he mentioned uh, <laughs> uh, another computer there with the camera on. And using your nose. Use your nose, and basically the camera just sits still, or in, in some cases, they'll have something that can simply move the camera very slowly over time, and it captures then with some third-party software, they're capturing time-lapse frames. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're building some huge thing. Um, so... Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of tools within the game that, that aid that. A lot of it is just people, you know, working in multiplayer groups or just not minding that it comes from the perspective of the player. It's not hard to hide the HUD and the, you know, the weapon the is holding. You can easily shut those things off and have just a clean screen, and then that person in creative mode, you can fly around and be anywhere, even go through walls if you need to. So a lot of the the basic tools are just natural to the game. They were, you know, Minecraft has multiple modes you can play in, survival, which is, uh, you know, you have hunger and you can get killed and you have to survive. And then built right into the game from the early days was creative mode, which there's no more rules and you can have access to any of the blocks in the game and even oh, some I that see. aren't accessible. I see. And you can place those and build them at will. And then there's an adventure mode version, which is used for, I actually used this for, uh, for a mod, an adventure map for Minecraft that I made called uh, Contagion. And it's basically a game with levels that you can play through and, and advance through. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the game. It's, it's, and I promise you, I did not release it post-COVID. Because the game is, you are, each level is you're in a village and one of the villagers has some kind of contagious infection and will invisibly infect other villagers. And you have to deduce who the source of the infection is and then strike them down uh, before they went <laughs> off to the village. Now, you can imagine Definitely how not. well that went over when I released <laughs> that two months before <laughs> COVID hit.
1: Yeah. Timing. Timing. the wrong time for that.
2: Yeah, not the first time that's happened to me either. Yeah, that's that's... But anyway, so that's an adventure map that basically I used the creative mode of the game to put all these commands together and have all this structure to this game. But when I distribute it, I distribute it in what's called adventure mode, which means when a player enters that map, they can't alter it in all the ways that you normally could. They have to kind of play through it as in more of a traditional architecture and and i as the creator of it can limit what they're able to do right so that there's an actual game within the game and mini game stuff like that is a whole other sub-genre within minecraft there's all kinds of stuff like that Wow. anyway so that's that's my not as short as i wanted it to be whirlwind tour of minecraft
1: nice fascinated by the breadth of ways that that can be played and and let you know I think when we first started this podcast, we were thinking Let's Play was just play the game. Yeah. But what you've demonstrated there is there's so much more to it than uh, just play the game. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's helped by a game that offers so many, so much variety of ways you can Mm -hmm. play the game, including the built-in ability for users to create games within the game. Yes. Roblox is the other example of, of an environment that does right, that. Right, And it's huge in popularity.
3: Oh, my God. So, yes. yeah, I wanted to mention that um, Omniverse Machinima has a, a Minecraft element to it as well. You can save levels from Minecraft and upload them into Omniverse Machinima and create Machinima using motion capture with a Minecraft character. Oh,
2: hmm. wow. That's not possible any other way. By the way, that's wonderful news. Hmm. I can't wait till twenty twenty six when I can get an RTX card and and try that out.
1: Okay, shall we move to mine? Yes. yes. Um, final films for this week, this month. Um, so I'm neither wow nor sci fi nor um, block stuff really i'm going to go back a little bit to um second life um and i'm talking old time stuff too so my first film is the petrovsky flux um which is a machinima that was made by somebody called toxic menges back in 2009 um but it's not actually uh a film as such. It's a tour of a virtual art installation in Second Life, which represented a kind of steampunk city in the sky, which, uh, which was hosted by um, the Spencer Museum of Arts on, on their island and created by a couple of um, folks in World called Blotto Epsilon and Cutie Bennelly. Uh, it's long since been dismantled, of course, and has now completely disappeared from the virtual space. Um, So it's a fly through. um, It's illustrating the kind of organic nature of the installation and and put to some pretty impressive music, which actually complements the strangeness of the artwork quite well. What's interesting about it is, though, it's not the only machinima of this experience, um, but it's the one that I like the best because actually it produces that sense of nostalgia from having experienced that actual installation all those years ago. Um, so what it's doing, therefore, is documenting and archiving the experience of being in the sim, in the artwork, and at a time when that virtual environment behaved in a very particular way. So that, for me, is a is a kind of a good example of a, of a documentary-style um, machinima. Before I ask you what your thoughts are, there, I'm going to tell you about the second one as well. And the second one that I picked is... Molotov Alva and his search for the for the creator, um, A Second Life Odyssey. Now, you'll probably recall this. This was by Douglas Gayton. It was released in 2007, but actually it was commissioned by a Dutch channel called Submarine. And the film became infamous because it was the first machinima sold and distributed by um, a mainstream channel, HBO, at the time. Now, it's a it's a narrative story filmed in a, in a documentary style over 10 episodes. And it's actually, it's, it's something that you picked out earlier, Phil. I think it was, it's actually, it's about a character, this Molotov Alva, who who leaves his carbon-based world to inhabit this virtual environment of Second Life. And it's basically shot as a video diary of... Uh, of the exploits um, that he experiences he travels as he travels in this kind of virtual space and explores the limits of virtuality in some sort of parody of real life, including things like ownership of space, relationships with others, the representation of others in that space, um, all in search ultimately for the creator, which, of course, he eventually discovers is not one person, but many people. And in turn, he becomes a creator only to realize he is part of this market economy that he doesn't really uh, like at all. He's quite unhappy with his choices, so he becomes a griefer. Um, And eventually he seeks to reconnect with his physical life. So it's kind of a narrative full cycle um, and somewhat a, a snapshot and an observation, I suppose, of the breadth of experiences that you can have in that virtual environment, including its frustrations and its limitations now what I liked about that um is that it's it's documenting in a different kind of way it's actually narrative but it's it's this documentary style that I I kind of refer to in this metaverse kind of um journey that we've been talking about but but there's another film that you can look at which is actually very similar and a lot shorter to watch and that's um Tutsi Navaratna's um Journey into the Metaverse, which was released in 2011. Um, where in fact what he's doing there as the producer um is he's playing with this meaning of the word avatar, um, which um you know the, the Tutsi's Indian and his avatar explores that thematically within Second Life. But he's he's actually playing on that on that word, that Sanskrit word, which is to do with the spiritual quest. So he's sort of you kind of got this a, a recursive link of observation, of observations, of observations going on in the world, going on in the real world, and back into that kind of virtual space. And it's it's kind of very it's like a Gordian knot of observations when you sort of put these things together. I think um, so. You know, again, what what for for me these these three little films illustrate is this expansiveness of the the virtual experience and the ways in which that narrative inspires the creators to it to explore and document what they're doing and then retell their stories to others what did you think
0: well the uh, i'll start with the petrovsky one i remember when it was uh, released or around that sort of time i watched it and i didn't like it because it was just a tour of this environment in second life i thought well if i want to see this i can just go into second life and explore it myself
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um so it, at the time, it did not appeal to me at all, um, but now, as you said, that doesn't exist in Second Life anymore. So, as far as we know, this video could be the only record of this creation that someone made in Second Life. Mm-hmm. So it is it's got a different uh, sort of appeal to me now because um, there's no way to go and see it. I can't go and have a tour around it because it doesn't it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And someone obviously spent a lot of time building this. And for whatever reason, they took it apart or sold it or whatever happened. Um, And so it's gone. There's absolutely no way that's ever going to be viewable again apart from this video. And so this is now a record of someone's creation that they spent a lot of time building.
1: What about the others?
0: Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the Molotov Alpha 1, but I did watch Journey into Metaverse. And one of the things I liked about that was the idea that the Avatar wanted to come into the real world and explore our world rather Mm. than just be a virtual character. Mm. And it's kind of got that feeling, well, what if these virtual characters did actually have personalities and want to explore it? kind of reminded me a little bit of The Matrix, not really, but the idea of escaping the the virtual reality, the virtual world to to come into the real one. Mm. And it also reminded me of a game that I was playing recently, um, Stellaris, It's kind of a space empire building game. Some planets have got these um, dig sites which you can dig up and you uncover um, ancient secrets. And so there's this one where it said that the entire population killed themselves because they believed they were all in a virtual environment and thought that was the only way to escape. And, of course, they are because they're all in a video game. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that messes
0: with that, you. that, it's completely different from the film. It's just that watching yeah. the film gave me that same mm-hmm. sort of memory. So, yeah, right. that's, that's my thoughts on the, the two films I watched.
3: Nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Ricky, what did you think?
3: Well, um, uh, Petrovsky Flux was a wonderful film it's like watching a surrealist painting come alive a uh, dolly steampunk you know it's strange it's mysterious and the feeling you get from from the way the film moves the camera in amongst the um, par- parts of the creation and the use of excellent music that you pointed out earlier gives you a feeling and that that's the most important thing about it i think it's uh, second life is unique in that Uh, Machinima documentary is such a live movement there. It gives you a perspective on a virtual event or a virtual creation or a poetic uh, uh, creation inside of uh, uh, Second Life. I think, um, although I have to say that if there was another filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker, who made a documentary about this location, somebody with a better sense of humor could make a very funny film out of it because there's some very funny things that the machine does, you know, drop things down and everything. So it's a perspective on the event. And like I said, nowhere else but Second Life do you find these kinds of films. Remember, I mentioned uh, dance documentaries from the Milan uh, Machinima Film Festival by Iono Allen, which were very Mm -hmm. serious and very strange. So I like that part of it. And I like the film very much. And it does create a sense of nostalgia. Uh, in Second Life, I want to contrast uh, Molotov Alva with Journey to the Metaverse by Tutsi. Uh, Journey to the Metaverse is just an extraordinary film. Tutsi is a unique artist. I don't think any other filmmaker makes movies like he does. He manages to combine live action with Second Life machinima in a way that nobody has been able to do effectively. He's also a very postmodern writer. Nowadays we talk about meta being a joke where it refers to anything that refers to itself, but he's all, he's trying to understand his country and himself and what it means to, to be that in a virtual world. What's the difference between himself and an avatar? It's the kind of poetic philosophical machinima that only he can make. And it's just genius because it takes you in places and you follow his thinking in a way that you don't in Molotov Alva. I didn't like Molotov Alva when it came out, and I don't like it now. In fact, I like it least. It's disingenuous, and it's it's an extended advertisement for Second Life in the guise of a philosophical search for yourself. Too many inconsistencies in the character's reasoning. You get to a point where you go, well, he said this, but earlier he said that. Well, why couldn't he have done this? I think it's a fad machinima that became famous because of its timing. It came Mm. out at a time in which Second Life was huge. And I think HBO saw an example to capitalize on an interest in Second Life. And it has the appearance of being deep and uh, uh, important, but I think it's phony, disingenuous. So Journey to the Metaverse is the real deal. Molotov Alva is a wannabe.
1: That's fair enough.
2: Phil? Yeah, all of these were a reminder of that first decade of the 2000s, uh, the latter half of it, when it's just some extraordinary work was coming out of Second Life. It may be that that's still the case, but it seemed like it really peaked then. Um, and yeah, these the, the documentary style um, just kind of naturally came from that world, I think. Um, <clears throat> uh, the one thing I'll say is, is, uh, cause you guys have pretty much covered it is, uh, Malta Valva. Uh, I actually met the creator of that Douglas at the Mashitima film festival and, uh, got to talk to him for, for a bit. It's an older, older guy, older than me. And, uh, He's a very interesting guy, very deep, and uh, yeah, I got the impression. I don't have quite as strong of feelings about Malta as Ricky does, but it 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 never was one that that gripped me as a favorite. And then, and also now too, I I can't help but wonder, like, how much of what I end up disliking about the end product was all the other hands in the pot that were inevitably there given where it was going to be released, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I, the,
2: the, the man himself, Douglas was, was, was a deep and kind of serious person. It was kind of comical because, you know, of course at that same mission film festival, there's stuff of the ilk of, you know, illegal Danish super snacks. And I can just see <laughs> him just going, what have I got myself into here? You know, <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: he
2: was, and he wasn't, he wasn't being, he was being very gracious. Like he wasn't being snooty, but there was this kind of sense of, you know, this stuff isn't like what I'm trying to do at all. Um, <laughs> I, he took, I he took, remember he took that what he was well. doing very seriously. <laughs> you met him too. I think there, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did. yeah. Nice man. Had- very nice guy. Yeah. And, but, but very serious. And I don't know a whole lot about, uh, his background. Um, but he, he took what he was doing very seriously and, and really wanted to say something meaningful with this. Mm -hmm. And I think Ricky, that, that came through to you that there was a, there was a want to, Oh yeah. But, but it didn't end up in the final product. and, and, you know, maybe that's just that, that, you know, he, he blew it and maybe it's that the inevitable compromises that you have to make, I think for, uh, when you sign your work over to uh, to people with different motive, very that's different good, motivations than you have, you know, I got point. the impression he wasn't there to make money at all. You know, he wasn't there about that. This was a very he was very personally passionate about it, and uh, and I didn't get a sense from him on whether he was happy with how it turned out. Um, he didn't really emphasize that a lot in our relatively brief conversation but but he felt like it was that it was an important subject
1: i said i don't ever remember him really talking about it a great deal after it was released through hbo i know he was very excited that it was going through hbo but i oh yeah can you I imagine, imagine? Who, wouldn't be? who wouldn't be
2: yeah yeah the idea of that is extraordinarily exciting
1: yeah but uh, as so someone who quiet. i know was
2: he was yeah he's, he's very He's an artistic type, and yeah, uh, yeah, I can't help but wonder. Anybody who has to surrender something that personal and that deep to them, and just watch it get
1: mm.
2: changed. If if that's a that's probably the kindest verb I can think of, or what can happen.
1: Okay. Well, I'm somewhat conscious that what we've done in this section of our episode is reflect on old machinimas to explore. What is really only now emerging as a plausible concept in terms of the metaverse um, so we've still got more to discuss on this one i think um, but what we'll do for now is wrap this up as our film section and in the next part of our episode we'll explore some of the challenges as we see them so that's it from from me for now i'm tracy harwood and from ricky grove hello goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> and from Phil. Goodbye. Did you say goodbye, Phil. Goodbye, thank you. <laughs> and from Damien.
0: <laughs> See you next time.
1: <laughs> thank you very much. Um, Phil, do you want to again remind folks how they can get in touch with us, please?
2: I'm going to do the abbreviated version since we're running long. Go to uh, completelymachinima.com click the talk button.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, and that's a wrap on that part. Thanks very much.
0: And now for something completely machinima.